moms can come in every shape and form, and sometimes their children happen to have fur and wagging tails. This is a podcast for those who love the four-legged friends that they rescued, because they got rescued right back. Each week, we bring on a dog mom or two to talk about their dogs and how they changed their lives. This is Rescue Dog Moms, a parenting podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is Boss. Hello, dog moms and dog dads. We are back. Welcome back to an episode of Rescue Dog Moms. It is well overdue. My name is Yamini, and welcome to our old listeners. And I believe I uh, am having some new listeners calling as well. Thanks for joining me. And I'm so excited for having all you guys listen to our podcast. Today's episode features John. John is our first dog dad officially as a guest. I mean, the first was my partner, Dan, who's literally giving me a look right now. We did do an episode together, but John is the first guest, so I do think that deserves some pointing out and applause. (laughs) John is a pillar in the dog rescue community in the GTA, and I would say in Canada overall, and we had an amazing conversation. We chatted about his pack, the Misfits. They are quite an interesting bunch of dogs with different personalities, great backstories. And I just want to note that since this podcast was recorded a bit ago, we are excluding one dog who is a new addition to the Misfit Pack, Larry. You can learn more about him on John's Instagram. Larry is a senior dog. He was rescued from Northern Manitoba. And just from my observations, he seems to have the youngest spirit. We also learn a lot about John's upcoming rescue missions, as well as Project Warm Dog, which is a project that has actually just been launched recently. I will be sure to include a lot of links in the show notes, and there will be links in our Instagram page as well. I'm excited for you guys to hear this inspiring conversation. I promise it is worth the wait. Enjoy the episode. Hello, John. Welcome to Rescue Dog Moms. Hi, how are you? Good. You're our first, I mean, you're basically our first rescue dog dad. I don't don't really count Dan because he was a guest because he's boss's dad so you are probably one of the first guests that when I started this everyone was like you gotta get John on the podcast so I am personally feel like uh there's so much to talk about with all the work you do so I'm excited I'm really excited to be here actually it's gonna be it's gonna be fun I'm (laughs) I'm excited to be the first dog dad to be honest with you uh you know there's a lot of cool dog dads out there too (laughs) I know (laughs) sounds like your dogs would agree yeah they uh they do this from time to time. The, sorry, there was a commotion. I'm back. I'm back. No worries. We're used <laughs> to this. Worry. This is a yeah. normal part of the podcast. So in my life. Um, Mine but... too. At work, even all of my clients, they like know boss by name because they're like, oh, hi, boss. Whenever he interrupts one of our meetings, it's just part of my <laughs> professional relationship now. At least he's cute. I know. I feel like if you send pictures everyone will forgive an inter- yes. uninterrupted Zoom call. So <laughs> Yeah, and you can never go wrong with just sending dog pictures. I know. Ever. It's like, thank you. Thank you for sending me that. <laughs> now I'm smiling. Exactly. Mr. Dog Dad, as our first Dog Dad, dad guest, um, let's get into your dog children. You got a pack. Maybe let's go one by one. Sure. So you've all now heard my whole pack of dogs. Yeah. 
I have two Chihuahuas, miniature golden doodle, and a beautiful mystery hound dog out of Texas. And their names are Whiskey, Marley, Pablo, and Pumba. So I guess we'll just start with my favorite one, Whiskey. He knows he's the favorite. I think the others know he's the favorite too, but that's okay. They all have good lives. Whiskey came to Canada in January 2019, but he didn't come and live with me until July of 2019. Whiskey was originally uh, supposed to be one of those easy adoptable dogs. I saw a picture of him. His description was three words. It was the shortest bio I've ever gotten for any dog. And it was kind, but mischievous. And I said, he'll be perfect. And he's super cute. So he was adopted and returned because he had worms. And then uh, he was adopted again, and it just didn't work out with the, the young boys in the house. They were a bit too much for whiskey, and uh, they returned him. But at that point, I was like, okay, you're you're coming to just live with me. This is a real one. This is a real dog podcast. They're leading leading the conversation. They, they, they are. So now they're just following me around. So that's Whiskey. Whiskey is a very, how do I put this? He's a good dog when he knows he needs to be, but he's a crazy hound dog uh, to the core. He is a kind soul uh, and he takes in all my foster dogs like they are uh, his own brothers. And uh, he helps he is a very uh, integral part of my uh, fostering uh, and fostering in general for me. I can't calm down a scared dog in a new place uh, like another dog can. So yeah. he's really been, he's really been a blessing despite his little mischievous quirks. He likes to bend the rules as far as he can without breaking them. He's got me wrapped around his paws. Marley is my my little golden doodle. Marley came to me through fetch and release dog rescue. He was in a he was in a bad spot or two or three before he came to me. We didn't really have any other options for Marley at the time. And they wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to send him away because the problem with a dog like like Marley is they're just a huge liability because they're so cute. Yeah. Um, He's a very cute dog, if I, if I may say so myself, even though I'm biased as his father. But they're really cute. And and people will definitely sometimes just say anything to get that super cute dog, not knowing that that dog has a, a history and needs and, you know, is a living, breathing creature. So it's a tight it's a tight place for a rescue to be in when they have such an adorable, high demand dog with a lot of a lot of issues. I said, whatever, he's a little poodle, I'll foster him. He can't be that bad. Uh he was quite challenging. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I laughed at them when they told me how bad he was. I it was pretty ignorant of me <laughs> looking back on it. They were like, John, he's really, really bad. And I just laughed at them. I was like, Yeah, yeah, don't worry, we'll be fine. He's a golden um, doodle. What harm can he do, right? <laughs> I did not know then that I would be eating my words um, and that he would be the most difficult little dog I've ever worked with. But he's been uh, he's been worth it times 100. He's so smart and uh, he learns things so fast that it, it it's ruined training other dogs for me to be honest with you, because I mean, other dogs or most dogs, all dogs, they need, you know, consistency and you got to really show them how to do it and work with them. As Marley, you just show him once. He's got it. He's good. And then the twins, uh, Pablo and Pumba, my little chihuahuas, I've had them five, just about five years now. They came 
from a, and they came together and they've been here ever since. They are twins. They're brothers, but they are as different as can be, I guess. Pumba is a bit grumpy. He's my, he's my resident grumpy dog. Aren't you Pumba? Him and Marley grump out together. It's really cute. Both <laughs> of them uh, just furious at each other and the world, but side by side as a team butt to butt it's super cute he's a very agile little dog and he's quite surprising actually for a chihuahua he can hike like a 10k hike no problem he'll be sleeping for the rest of the day no he loves being out there in the woods and just exploring pablo pablo is very much a city dog even though we live in the country he would be a happy city dog he's not a fan of going for walks he's not a fan of you know anything that really isn't sitting on the couch he's a very lazy dog he's a very needy dog and a very unique personality he will capture your heart pablo uh sorry <laughs> he knows i'm talking about him he definitely hog. he is you cannot pull out a phone a camera or mm. say the word pablo without him jumping in front of you smacking you for attention and because him and his brother uh they're so small. Unfortunately, I let them get away with things like that. And uh, they know they're the little kings of the house. That is my that is my pack of dogs. Those are my my four my four companion animals. They are very different personalities from what you're telling me. It must be quite they a dynamic. Are. What are they like together or with each other? The pack is pretty strong, although we definitely have camps, if you will. So Pumba and Marley, they're buddies. And then Marley and Whiskey, they're really close. People have been very kind uh, with their words regarding Marley's uh, rehabilitation. And I wish that I could actually take more credit for it. It's really, it was Whiskey who saved Marley, not not me. And they are best friends. And um, it's, it's really nice to see the dynamic that they have together. Whiskey, I say, is Marley's confidence in new situations. In a situation that Marley's comfortable with, he is the most confident, arrogant little dog in the world in a new situation he really looks to whiskey uh, for guidance and whiskey is just whiskey's been through a lot in his life and there's nothing that i've seen so far that actually scares him or makes him uncomfortable so he's been good for marley whiskey and pablo are probably my favorite combination pablo is mischievous just like whiskey so they'll cause trouble together they have each other's backs they look out for one another if whiskey's trying to dig a hole in the backyard for example pablo is going to come and try and occupy my attention so that i don't be whiskey the only two that don't really like engage i guess are pablo and marley and they're not they don't have anything against each other they just don't really i don't think they're friends um, yeah. When we play fetch, Pablo's always chasing Marley around. He's the defense. But other than that, they don't uh, engage. And then, unfortunately, the three quicker dogs, if you will, because Pablo, the lazy Pablo, one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Pablo's lazy and he really, really enjoys snacks and snacking. But Pumba, Marley, and Whiskey, un- unfortunately, are a finely tuned hunting machine. The three of them never work together as well as they do when a small animal in the backyard is about to lose its life. Um, but they, they do work together as a team very well. It's sad that that's how they do it, but it is very impressive to, to see them work. Yeah, we don't really have too many squabbles with this. My core pack, when fosters come in, it definitely yeah. changes everything. But I do think that every new foster dog that comes in makes the, the core pack just a little bit stronger you know they realize that they're the family and they need to stick together and it's it's really nice to see how they do that yeah that's great maybe we can start getting into that 
But before we do, I guess I just want to hear about your personal mission to save dogs and animals overall. I know you have a lot of different elements in your life. So whether that's fostering or doing the intake, what what drives you to do all this work? This is a tricky, well, not tricky. It's just a rough question because I did just come back from like a big rescue trip. It sort of changed, I guess. It started with just loving dogs. And then from there, they just started coming, actually, to be honest with you. And you know, after you help one or two, it feels good. But then you realize there's a lot more that need help. And I guess then, you know, the further you get into it, the more the more dogs and some cats. But for me, it's mostly dogs. Um, although I won't turn down the cats, the more of them you meet, I find the more like reason I have. And then there's just the fact that the people people can be so horrible or people can be so wonderful. And you got to just be on the good side of it, I guess. For me, what came out yesterday, because <laughs> after all of these runs, sort of like you need to decompress and it, it hits you. I was apologizing to my pack for leaving them again mm-hmm. to go and help other dogs who are not them. And it's just, you know, like, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what happened to the dogs. But, you know, I look at whiskey who's just like my best friend and like the best dog and like what they did to him and Marley who's Marley could have been a movie star. And I say that not, not as a joke, but with just deep regret, he's got, had so much potential and, and had the people who originally bought him as a puppy did some work. He would have set them up for the rest of their life. Like this dog has, has no limit to what he's capable of. And it has to stop. Like, you know, people can't do this anymore. And for those that, that do do it, we need to help those animals because it's, they're, they're, you know, they're living, breathing creatures. And even like, so whiskey, whiskey was found in such horrible shape that in the place he was, he wasn't worth fixing to them. So their policy would have just been to euthanize him on arrival at the shelter. Thank God Dodie just said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, The woman who found him and she called someone else who saved him. But even them, they got a lot of flack because he was quite ill and he was in really rough shape. And they said, this dog's not worth fixing. He was definitely worth fixing uh, 100%. And the rest of them are too. Someone's just got to go out there and do it. That's why I work with dogs because they're someone's future best friend. Your dog. Yeah. I was working with before he came to you and he's exactly. your future best friend. So you're, he's now your best friend. So, you know, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, now it's definitely true. It's, I will say just from, you know, my recent involvement with all this, it's just like the most tangible results you can see in front of you. Like, you know, there's so many world issues that I'm also passionate about and I still work super hard to make changes there. But at least with rescuing dogs, for the most part, you can see a dog's life change before your eyes which is pretty incredible the best thing it's the best it's the best thing ever and you're right like there's a lot of causes that i'm also passionate about and you just you're not going to see the same results i want the ocean to be clean you know and I, I want that desperately and I'll advocate for that. I don't live by the ocean and I can't see it getting cleaner. I'm going to keep fighting for it, but it's harder to, to keep yourself motivated as opposed to when you have the rescue dog in your home and you see it coming out of its shell. Let's maybe start with fostering. Um, I know you've done a lot of it over. How many dogs have you fostered in total? Do you know? Not many. I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I guess 13 is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I, um, I just a lot of my friends have fostered so many more and I feel like it's it's not a ton, but it's it is a good amount of dogs. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Of all all sizes, there was the smallest one, Koa Mama, named Mouse. 
And I think Mouse was maybe five pounds. And the biggest one was Stella, my Central Asian Shepherd. That was my longest uh, foster. And, and she was 74 pounds of beautiful dog. Yeah, they come in all shapes and sizes here. Yeah. Thankfully, after Marley, after Marley, I had a dog named Dooley, who was also part poodle. And I just didn't want to be known as the, the poodle guy. So um, I'm thankful that we've had an assortment of different types of dogs here at, at my home. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you, I don't know, I've had some experience with poodle mixes. And like you said, I don't know Marley, but I know poodle mixes and they are, they're hard. <laughs> so if you did that all the time, I think you'd they're, be a little crazy. They're, yeah, they're a special type of dog. Definitely. Why do you feel like fostering is so important to the ethos of work that you do? A shelter or a kennel environment is just not, it's not a place for a dog. And it's definitely not the easiest place to go and get a dog. You know, people want to adopt, but the kennel is a stressful environment for someone, especially someone who's not experienced to just, you know, go to the Humane Society and pick a dog from the kennel because it's going to be so wound up. It's hard, you know, like I'd do it, but I have a lot of dog experience and I, you know, fostering puts a dog into a home environment where an adopter can see what a dog is like in a home. It's a lot less stressful for the dog. It changes your life as a human as well. It's, it's such a wonderful experience, but it really is better on the animals and it helps them get adopted. Animals in foster care, dogs and cats get adopted faster than animals in the shelter and that opens up space fostering is a love-hate relationship i don't love fostering dogs because i get really attached and it really hurts to say goodbye at the same time one of there's no one else that lives here and i don't really go out much it's a good environment for a dog who's not good with people and i'm not scared <laughs> at all yeah. those dogs they don't have as many opportunities to be fostered so i generally try not i try not to foster dogs just in case there's a dog like that that needs a, a place because that dog's not going to get a home whereas you know my little five pound chihuahua foster mouse you know, she came here because she needed a, a safe place to go immediately like that mm -hmm. moment bring her here but you know she couldn't stay because i'd fall in love with another chihuahua and then i'd have three chihuahuas and i don't want three chihuahuas there's plenty of other people out there that were you know lining up to foster a cute little dog like that and so she went there a dog like stella there was nobody you know it was it was me or or the needle so that's why I've, i foster dogs anyways it's just for for those dogs there that might not have a chance uh, otherwise they all come here because they've bitten somebody or multiple somebody's and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, um, that's great. There's always plenty of people to foster a lot of dogs, but then there's always yeah. those handful that you got to dig really hard and find the right people for. And that's always difficult. Yeah. And I mean, with fostering too, it's also what you're comfortable with. There's a lot of dogs that are difficult, but not dangerous. You know, there's, there's yeah. dogs that come in in pretty rough shape and they need some, some medical attention. I personally would rather deal with teeth then poop. That's my personal preference. So, you know, there are some dogs that come in just broken and they really just need love and attention. I'm not, that's not my background, the whole medical side or even the nurturing side, because these dogs that bite people, they don't need coddling. There's lots of people out there that could help try and just stick with my own that bite people and we get along just fine. 
Do you have any fosters that come to mind that you have, I don't know, fond memories of or just like crazy stories that you'll keep with you? Each dog, even the really short stays has left a has left a paw print on my heart. They're they're they've all been very unique in their own ways. I had one duly. I'm not going to lie. I really did not like him. I did not like him for a good month. And then one day it all just sort of changed. He became the best dog ever. And he just, I, I, I don't know what happened, but he just looked at me one day and it was like, I get it now, dad. And I was like, good, now you can go. So like Dooley was just a very special dog. His name is now Lyndon. I struggle calling him that, but uh, yeah, Lyndon was a, he was a good dog. I think my favorite foster like memory was probably, his name is now Barkley, but he, he went by the name of Ralph and it was his very first day. And I introduced him to Whiskey and Marley in the backyard. They got along great. Everything was going like super well and then they walked into the house and i guess he realized that he was in their house and he just turned to whiskey and looked at marley looked at whiskey and attacked whiskey he just went for it and i think it took me maybe three seconds to get in there and break it up in those three seconds he got beat up pretty good but the other dogs never messed with him again i admired the little dude because he just had so much confidence to him that he walked in. He was like, I'm going to show you guys that I'm the boss around here. And that's that. And he got along famously with them all after that. He he was right. a great addition. He was a great addition to the pack. Um, we never had another squabble after that. Uh, he got along great with my chihuahuas, which is always my biggest concern whenever I bring home a dog is, is my chihuahuas because they're so small. And then um, Stella, my longest, my longest term foster. Stella was a wild, crazy dog when she first came to me and it was it was actually quite frightening to see how how dangerous this dog could be i've worked with a lot of dogs in my time and stella was stella is nothing to mess with to mm. say the absolute least and i feel like she just loved it like she knew it and she loved it and as she started getting better in her training just the attitude that she had of confidence you know as as we were battling her reactivity it went from uh from this big display of pure aggression to uh to just a glance like my dad is the only thing keeping you safe right now. Just remember that young man as all these young dogs would walk past her barking and she'd just sit there so proud of herself that she was a good girl. Each one has left a, a good memory in my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. And I yeah. understand. I feel the same way about all my fosters for sure. Yeah, They definitely, yeah, they shape your relationship to your own dog in different ways too. So it's they always, do. always. And you know, they, they help you with things around the house. Like, you know, I needed a new mattress. And then I had a foster dog. Her name was Hardy. She jumped on the bed and she peed all over it. So it sort of forced me to get that new mattress and, you know, go out and do things with my life. <laughs> was, there you, you know, go. Always, they always do something for you. They know. They, they, they know what you need and they just uh, fulfill it somehow. <laughs> somehow. Great. Well, I would also love to talk about your rescue missions. I know you just came back from one. So maybe this will feel a little fresh. What type of rescue missions have you done throughout your life? And what are you focusing on now? So I've done a lot of in terms of like missions, actually, like they're fairly new in the past couple of years. I was more in the foster and adoption side of rescue when I first started. And then from there, we started, we started getting dogs 
was out of the States and they would come up by transport. We realized, well, the transports, they cost a lot. Can we do this for cheaper? Like maybe if we just did it ourselves, we could do it for cheaper. So we started doing it. And then uh, I changed rescue organizations. I came to Fetch and Release. And Fetch and Release, Fetch and Release is a wonderful organization. And uh, they actually gave me a lot of opportunities and they sent me down to Mexico, which I'm really forever thankful for. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. We did a spay and neuter clinic down there where we we set it up so that everyone in the town could come and get their dog spayed and neutered and their cat uh, spayed and neutered for free and everything was provided. And then we also had catch teams going out collecting stray dogs to bring them in to get spayed and neutered just to sort of help the overpopulation problem. And it was my job to deal with those dogs before their, before the vets saw them. So they'd come in crated and we'd have to, or, you know, they come in on a, it was the police actually were bringing a lot of them in. Right. Um, yeah. So the police would go in and get them and then they'd give them to us and we'd have to crate them until it was their time. And then we'd have to to make sure everything was safe before the vet came in if we had to muzzle the dog or anything like that because you know some of them were quite quite wild so it was an awesome experience working with them and then from there we went to manitoba and did sort of stray dog catch out there and i'd worked with this organization out of manitoba with the previous rescue and i'd always wanted to sort of get back into canadian dogs so we went out there and came back and there's just too many dogs out there you know problem the problem with our canadian dogs is they're our problem you know when we bring in dogs from a lot of other countries a lot not all but a lot of other countries like say mexico for example it's a lot cheaper uh, to do the vetting of these dogs in mexico and having worked there in mexico alongside some of the mexican vets i can say that you know it's not you're not losing uh, like they're not bad veterinarians or anything like that. Uh, you can be assured that if you've gotten a dog from Mexico that was vetted in Mexico, like, you know, it was cared for and a good job was done. It's just a lot cheaper. Our yeah. Canadian dogs are very expensive. They can just, they, they bankrupt rescues. You cannot take a lot of Canadian dogs because the ones that are broken are badly broken. And um, they just cost a ton of money. So people or rescues in general would shy away from that. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm for helping all dogs. Like my dog from the United States is the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I have a special place in my heart for the Mexi Mutts, but we do need to take care of our own problems as well. So what we do is I work with uh, Canine Advocates Manitoba, and we basically just network the dogs to a, a group of rescues here in the greater Toronto area. And basically, they all sort of share a transport so that rescues can own, can take in dogs that they're comfortable taking in without committing to an entire mission to go and get these dogs because it is quite costly to go and get them. You know, whether you're driving or flying, it's quite costly. So if everyone were to team up, you wouldn't have to pay as much money and you could only take a few dogs and a few dogs at a time is just a lot easier to deal with. It doesn't overwhelm rescues or organizations financially or it doesn't overwhelm their volunteers. They can spend more time on each dog. If each organization focuses on quality over quantity, then together as a group, we can still move quantity with quality. Yeah, that is the goal of of what we do. We'll say, hey, this is when we're coming up, we're bringing a van, fill it up. And then as the dogs start coming, the rescues will start claiming them based on what they can do for that dog. You know, we have rescues in the group that have been established for over 20 years. And we have rescues that are brand new, or, you know, uh, fresh, or, you yeah. know, of all different 
experienced levels so that maybe some of the newer rescues don't have to feel as pressured, if you will, when you hear of these poor broken animals that come in. And that's really why we do this is for the broken ones. The easy ones are easy. Uh, I'll get to them. But the broken (laughs) ones are are the reason why we do this. I'm a firm believer that rescue needs to be sustainable. And I've just seen too many people lose everything because, you know, they put everything they had into the dogs, but dogs never stop coming like this without making it sound too much like a business, even though it sort of has to be the the good dogs need to pay for the the not so easy dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can give a newer rescue, you a group of easy friendly healthy adoptable dogs go adopt these dogs out let your people spread the word now i want you to take a sick dog just one and see how you do with that this way we can keep adoptions going for the easily adoptable dogs and bring in resources to help the ones who are not as easily adoptable or may require sometimes expensive medical attention you can't take 70 dogs a month or 50 dogs a month as a rescue and and stay financially afloat especially running on donations Um, Mm -hmm. it's it's not possible all the dogs suffer like this we work with 15 different rescues in toronto uh in the toronto area and we've just expanded into montreal no one has to feel that crushing pain of no i can't afford to help this dog right now what are we going to do and then you know maybe make decisions based on emotion as opposed to to reason and while we do need emotions do this we also need to be sure that we can responsibly take you know help the dogs that we do take into care we find by spreading them out to a group of organizations we we can help the most amount of dogs responsibly and that's what we do i wonder with what you said too about rescues choosing quality over quantity just a random question do you feel like with the current climate and the current demand for dogs how would you recommend a rescue deal with that pressure, maybe that they have so many adopters waiting and wait lists and foster wait lists, but like understanding that financially and resource wise, meeting that demand may still not be possible. So this is a this is a very strange time for rescued animals, whereas supply is nowhere near the demand for the first time ever. And it is rather strange. However, I also feel that, you know, a lot of rescues have have pretty strict screening processes, or at least a good rescue does. I say a lot of them because the ones I work with, we make sure that they do have good screening processes. Truthfully, I think they need to just keep doing exactly as they've been doing and maybe just being a bit more vigilant. The COVID dogs have already started coming back. They've already started being returned. We knew this problem was going to happen, but COVID has not been nice to the rescue dogs. So while there is a million people out there right now that do want a dog, I do like that the rescues are still being selective, if you will. It does push people away sometimes. However, those people that are just impulse buying a dog because they couldn't wait for the rescue or in some cases, breeders, I don't like calling breeders reputable. You know, that's the story for another day. But the ones that are considered reputable, they also have wait lists. Yeah, there's there's no one who's going to give you a dog right now and follow through with that dog for the lifetime of its dog response for of the lifetime of the dog responsibly breeder or rescue that does not have a wait list right now. Everybody has a wait list. If you're just going to impulse buy half of those dogs, maybe maybe half will end up in good homes and the other half will end up in the system anyways. Yeah, unfortunately. So I think the rescues need to just keep doing what they're doing and keep screening and being vigilant. A dog is not just for COVID. A dog is 
transfer. A dog is a vehicle in terms of financial commitment. It's the cost of a, the average sedan and it's a 15 year commitment. It's it's not just for COVID yeah. and the amount of people that have been getting dogs just because they look nice, you know, that have no idea what they're doing is quite alarming. And uh, we'll see, we'll see what the next few months bring. I think it's crazy too. Like I definitely noticed the same thing at the rescues I volunteer at. It's interesting because we haven't even gone back to quote unquote normal life yet. You know, we still have as dog owners right now, this, to be honest, like pretty good opportunity to be good dog owners and to put in a lot more training to be at home and put a lot of that work in versus when you know you have the rest of your life to <laughs> tend to yes and then these dogs are still definitely are getting returned based on i would assume quote unquote behavioral problems versus you know what we're still waiting for which everybody kind of thought would happen is that when we all return back to normal life what's going to happen then well uh- i also think that the collective we in terms of like the rescue community and those of us that add advocate so hard for these rescue dogs. I almost feel like backfiring in a certain way. The whole who rescued who movement. I used to firmly believe in this and I hate it now. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I don't even like to use the word hate, but it's, there's a lot of people out there right now who are, who are struggling and are, are desperate just you know they're desperate for something in their lives right now and they feel that like getting a dog is going to save them Mm -hmm. um, from themselves and it's it doesn't work like that I have said thank you for saving me whiskey it's not whiskey didn't show up and my life got better Mm -hmm. and Marley didn't show up and my life got better but the lessons that I learned working through their issues is what they they helped me as a human in my relationships with other humans and you know the outside world. Marley didn't save me. Working with Marley taught me a lot more about you know how to be a good person, and that's what helped. He didn't just show up, and my life was good. No, it was actually, it was actually <laughs> the opposite. He showed yeah. up, and my whole life just went right down the drain for a good three months. Um, so <laughs> that's that's the part. And that's, and that's the other place where, you know, I'm definitely guilty. I try my hardest to, to make sure that I am not guilty of it all the time, but I am. You say, oh, this dog, you know, he taught me so much about life. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. But I fail to mention that the first three months were total hell and chaos. I cried constantly. I bled constantly. I was wearing construction boots in my house. I renovated for this dog. (laughs) So, you know, if you're already in one of those places where you're just, you're a struggling human and it's okay to be struggling, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't feel our country is handling it all that well. Either way, it's okay to not be okay right now. And it's it's totally okay. But, But bringing a fresh animal into your life just because you're desperate for something is not going to fix your problems. It's going to amplify them. <laughs> and you're just going to create problems for that dog too. You Two broken yeah. souls can't fix each other. Oh, 100%. That's such good advice. Yeah. I feel too, like, I mean, just from my personal journey with boss, I think as well, just expecting a dog to be what you think will help you is just completely unreasonable. Like, I love boss, but he is not an emotive dog. He does not comfort me. He does not cuddle me when I'm sad. In fact, if I'm anxious, he will do quite the opposite. He's going to get away as far as he can (laughs) because he's smart. He knows he doesn't want to mess with that. (laughs) 
And, you know, it's it's instead the opposite. Like you said, it's my responsibility to help him with his issues, no matter how I'm feeling. So it is 100% more, more the opposite relationship that you have to become a parent. So just like a, a strong leader, kind of no matter what state you're in when you're around your dog, which is a great learning process. But also if you are in a low state or are struggling, you know, mentally, financially, et cetera, like those are that's an additional barrier for you to deal with yeah exactly you know um like i i love i love my dogs with all my heart they are a lot they're a lot sometimes they're more of a load on your bank account they're more of a load on your personal uh energy level you know they take up resources and time and they are frustrating at times i mean my marley is a you know despite his past he is a fantastic little dog he does as he's told he doesn't give me any problems whatsoever even him he's frustrating sometimes i mean he loves to play fetch up play fetch with them for four hours and if he still wants to play he'll bark my ear off until i tell him that's enough they can be frustrating so if you're running low you know on money time patience the dog is not it's it's not gonna save you it's gonna drive you crazy and then that might turn you off dog it might you know the dog is not gonna benefit from it they can pick up on your emotions like you said when you're anxious he knows he gets out of there oh yeah they you know, are so hyper aware of where you're at and it is wild to see during this time when you know everyone's going through a little bit of an emotional roller coaster i it it makes me wonder too about just all the dogs we have out there dealing with an extremely emotional bunch of people. I I noticed, especially when the pandemic was new, it was coming in waves. After about six weeks of lockdown, the dogs started acting out. Now, a lot, not all, but a lot of the people I spoke to, they were struggling. I said, well, how are you feeling? I said, they said, because their dog's been anxious, snapping at people, growling more, not cool in situations that they were once cool in. I said, well, how are you feeling? I don't need to get into your personal life too much, but are you okay? Like, are you, you know, I'm... And a lot of them would say, well, no, like I'm pretty anxious lately too. And so, well, yeah, your dog is picking up on it. It's hard. You know, there's a lot of people that had dogs before the pandemic hit and it's been a big adjustment for those dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rescue dogs that have come in are, uh, they're having to adjust to a new environment. You know, they can pick up on the tension and the anxiety and the stresses that a lot of people are feeling. It's been interesting to see how they've sort of reacted to it all and how they will continue to react as it progresses. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to also talk about your um, Instagram account and your social media and how you use it for education on dog ownership. What are the topics that you are most passionate about discussing online? So I like to try and bring awareness to our northern dog overpopulation problem. One thing, and I'll always scream, adopt, don't shop. Dogs are living, breathing creatures. They have minds of their own. And while they don't have the intelligence or all of you know the brain functions of us as humans, they are quite intelligent little animals and their work. That's I, I try and, and stress that, you know, dogs are a lot of work, but if you put that work in, the relationship you will have with your dog is so worth it. And that you do need to consistently work at that relationship. A relationship is a relationship. I don't think there's any sort of relationship that doesn't uh, require work to maintain, whether it's with another human or uh, with, you know, like on a personal level or, level or an employer or with your dog, it takes work and it takes consistent work 
for the length of the relationship. You know, my, my grandparents were married for 60 years and they put that work in for the full 60 years. For as long as you are the owner of your dog, you have to continually put that work into your relationship. And when you do, it's just totally worth it. And there's also that extra barrier. <laughs> that at least two humans can debrief and communicate and come up with strategies together that work mutually. You know, there's a, there's a lot yeah. of work that's a bit easier to do than between yourself and an animal. Right. And it's, it's, it's hard because some people get upset when you tell them it's a dog. <laughs> yeah. It's not a person. You know, I'm not saying that to put the dog down. There's a lot that we as humans could learn from dogs. They're just not people. So you, you just, people need to stop expecting people get dogs because they prefer dogs and then they get upset because the dog doesn't understand exactly what they're saying to it when they're talking to it in English, you know, and doesn't act like a person and doesn't just know everything the way a human would. And they just don't, you know, they get things differently. For example, I'm a big advocate for crate training a dog. People will say, well, what if I put you into a cage? And I'd say, well, the crate to us as humans is a cage. It is. But to a dog, it's their bedroom. And yeah. I know, for example, you know, 16 year old me being a mischievous monster child your parents send you to your room like all right cool i'll be in there all week no problem you don't even need to tell me to come out think about how many teenagers just spend all their time upstairs in their room or in their room oh my God, their headphones yeah. in on their computer whatever it is they never come out then when you're an adult you leave yeah we make that comparison with boss all the time he loves his crate and i swear he just has little teenage tantrums where he's like i don't want to hang out mom i'm going to my room okay and he'll just like trot in there and literally stay in there all day and i'm like all right you seem happy in there so i won't bother you well that's the thing right i mean i actually i don't crate my dogs uh during the day when i'm at work my dogs are not puppies they're all over five years old. They're mature. You know, they respect my home and we're past that point. But I do have crates just because I like to keep the training. Even if you like, like my dogs, I don't crate them, but what happens if they need to go to the vet and they yeah. need to stay there overnight? They're going to be in a crate and I don't want them to be freaking out scared because they're in a crate at the vets. Because if they're at the vets, they're sick. They don't need that extra stress. Mm -hmm. But I have to keep the crate closed because they'll just stay in there all day. And that's not why I have a dog. I mean, I give you a good life. You're going to, they got to work too, right? Like they're my companions. Don't go hang out in your room all day. <laughs> yeah. I keep the crate closed when we're not doing crate training or I'd never see Pablo and Whiskey right. would probably be in there all day too. And I mean, that's, but people will, can only see the crate as a cage mm -hmm. and therefore they won't put their dog in there because they can't get over the human part of it. They're, they just see a cage, a human jail cell. And then I hear them people will say they use the crate as punishment. And mm -hmm. what they don't know is that their dog has just trained them to let them into the crate. I had one guy, he would say, well, the dog, whenever someone would come over, as soon as he brought the dog to the person, he'd start, the dog would start growling and snarling at the person, knowing that as soon as that happened, he'd just go walk right over to his crate. And he said, well, yeah, he's growling and snarling. So I'm just going to crate him because there was a new person in the house and the dog was scared. And he knew that as soon as he started growling, he'd be put into the safety of his crate and he was happy in the crate. And I said, well, you're not punishing the dog. Actually, you're giving him exactly what he wants. He said, well, he can't want to be in that cage. I said, it's not a cage. It's his bedroom. Yeah. And that's where he wants to be. Um, yeah, we've had to start closing the crate door. Mainly, this is our new little boss temper tantrum is that he loves going on walks with my partner, Dan and my brother, but he doesn't want to go on walks with me for some reason. So he goes into his crate and hides. So I've had to close the crate door to get him to come on walks with me. I'm sorry to hear that. That, that hurts as a dog owner. I understand. <laughs>
It has. It's, it's it's one of those emotional dog owner moments. But once he's outside with me, he's great and he loves his life. It's just always the setup. He has. We have lots of fun once we're on our walks. He just doesn't want to go. I don't know why. Our theory is that he just loves Dan so much that he doesn't want to leave him behind. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Some time with mom is good too. Yeah, that's what we're trying to implement. <laughs> that time with mom is fun. He meets all of his dog friends with mom because I'm the one with all the dog friends. So yeah, you'd think he'd like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like that's probably one of my other biggest like missions that I try and promote like online is that dogs are not people. Yeah. And you need to, you know, treating a dog like it's a dog. It's not a bad thing. It's a dog. It is what it is. If it was a person, you probably wouldn't have adopted it and brought it into your life and spent $300 on a collar and given it an Instagram account and on all yeah. of this. You, you know, it's just not what we do. It's a dog. So you do have to treat them like dogs. You know, they, they sniff each other's butts to say hello. They roll in the dirt for fun. And sometimes they chase their tail for entertainment. So we have to, you know, we have to set our expectations accordingly and uh, and communicate to them in ways that they can understand and not just expect them to get what we want because yeah. we want it to be that way. Yeah. Changing expectations is the number one message I give out to because yeah. your dog is your dog and just like every dog has their own particularities. You're going to find out your dog's particularities in the three months, a year. I'm yeah. guessing there's more to come for boss after that too. We're almost at the year mark and he's come such a long Yeah. We've come such a long way together. It's crazy looking back and I'm like, wow, I wonder what he's going to be like in another year, another five years. <laughs> I know it's just, well, it's, that's the beauty of the journey. You know, it's, you see just how far you you gone in a year and then you know the next year comes up and you think wow and then the next year comes up and you think wow we've had some good times together let's just keep going you, you know there's bumps along the way the bumps make it more fun and that's not just with your dog i mean with your partner your friends you know all those bumps they they help make your relationships what they are it's all part of it it's a nice thing that uh, the dog ownership if you if you can commit to the process uh, it's definitely worth it. I'll give them that. Even if you have like four or sometimes five, maybe even six, it's worth the work. But they are a lot of work. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't get off easy, unfortunately. You know, you want to get a puppy. Puppies are a ton of work. Uh, you got to teach them everything. If you want to get an adult dog, they don't have the same problems that puppies have. But you'll have to work with them on something, whatever it is. It, there will be something. And then if you want to get a senior dog, senior dogs generally are great perfect they don't stay too long and they're they're very hard to see off so you know you don't you don't get off without something it's a give and take no matter what you do yeah that's totally fair to close off this section of the podcast what plans do you have for the future of your work we started a project last year called project warm dog and we wanted to build a few insulated dog houses send some donations up to kids in the communities and save some dogs and it was a humbling success and so this year we're going to relaunch the project early uh, in the next couple of weeks and we are aiming to bring in as many dogs as we possibly can from our First Nations communities in the north where in certain circumstances these dogs stay outside all the time because they're stray and they don't have homes. So we are going to bring as many as we possibly can in for the winter. Our goal was we wanted to bring in a hundred dogs but this past weekend we we actually did our largest run ever. It went really well so I think we're going to be upping that goal and it's going to be a, a nation 
nationwide experience this October. Yeah, this October, this country is coming together to bring in as many dogs as we can from the cold. And there will be rescue partners, hopefully in Vancouver and Calgary, hopefully in Calgary, they will be in Vancouver, as well as Toronto and Montreal, all working together to help Canadian dogs. And we're going to be sending up donations for the kids. It's hard to get like properly sized kid stuff that far north. There's just not access to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like mental enrichment, but for humans, because there's, you know, when, when it's so cold in the winter, sometimes there's nothing to do. And again, access to stuff is quite hard. So just things like board games, puzzles, or really anything that, that people can do just to mentally stimulate themselves inside during one of these terrible cold snaps that we as a country experience. Because you can't just go into a community and help the animals. There, There's humans in these communities and we do need to, we need to help our fellow humans as well. And if we do that, that, that will help the dogs anyways. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's where we're, we're headed this year. We're going to be expanding our rescue operations in the north and hopefully be getting a lot more dogs into their forever homes because they all deserve their happy ending. That's so amazing. I'm super excited to hear of all the different parts of Canada collaborating. I think there's so much opportunity there. And I mean, not that I'm going to like be like, here's adding another, but I've been speaking to a lot of people in the East Coast that apparently there's a rescue dog shortage there. Like, there as is in, a rescue dog shortage in the East Coast. That is the one wildest concept to be when we have so many dogs coming in here anyway that was just something yeah, I was thinking about just, recently we're we're working on it it's just this country is so big yeah um, <laughs> it takes 27 to 28 hours in good weather with good conditions to get from winnipeg to toronto with a van full of dogs Yep. So, you know, we also, we are trying to figure out how we can get the dogs. There's a huge shortage in Newfoundland as well as uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, but Newfoundland has got a huge shortage. It's how do we responsibly get the dogs there? Because you can't just yes. put them in a truck for four straight days, but then it's, it's quite a journey. So we are trying to figure out how we can responsibly and humanely move these dogs such a great distance economically because it can't cost a thousand dollars a dog or no one will want to do it so we're working on that we hope that we can get that soon because it would be a, a wonderful day for rescue dogs when we can start getting them out there and you know in in some numbers there's enough rescues that we could do decent numbers out there that would be amazing yeah and so we'll look out for your project in October or coming up on October then. That's exciting. Yeah, o- October is going to be when we, that's when we're going to be pulling all the dogs out of the, the cold just before the winter hits. But we're going to start the fundraising campaign soon so that we can get the dog houses up there for the dogs we can't take so that they don't have to go another winter without a dog house. You know, if we can't bring them home, we're at least going to give them an insulated dog house to keep them warm up there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's super important. And now we have summer where hopefully we can start the work for next winter. Exactly. Exactly. You know, winter may have just ended, but it's also coming. So we need to, you know, we got to prepare. <laughs> definitely. It's time for the speed round. For our speed round, our dog mom will answer questions as quick as they can about their dog let's go okay <laughs> someone's ready marley's ready to play too yeah. marley's ready yeah <laughs> shy or outgoing whiskey at pablo are outgoing barley at pool are shy game or treat treat for all <laughs> all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what are each of their favorite treats the chihuahuas add whiskey all three of them it's fish they love anything fish. Marley likes uh, Old Mother Hubbard biscuits, just plain, cheap, small, 
old mother Hubbard biscuits. Thank you for having cheap taste, buddy. <laughs> I love that. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Collar harness or other, what tools do you use for each dog? Whiskey gets walked with a, a three and what harness that has a clip on the back and a clip on the front. I usually just clip the back and that's because he does a lot of long line working. Marley, I use a slip leash for. Marley doesn't actually need a leash. And the reason why I use a slip leash is because we encounter so many off-leash dogs that I just want a leash there that I can take off of him and put on another dog. And Pablo and Pumba, they just use body harnesses because they're really small and they walk properly. Um, and I, I don't like using a collar on such a small dog, just, just harnesses. And you can walk all four of them at the same time, right? I think I've seen that on your Instagram. I do walk all four of them at the same time. Sometimes the chihuahuas generally don't want to go for as long a walk as Whiskey and Marley. Dog bed or human bed? Whiskey, Pablo, and Pumba sleep in my bed with me. And Marley will sleep in his own bed 90% of the time, my bed, very rarely. And usually once he does it, he won't come back for a month. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like this wasn't fun i'm going yeah, back to exactly. my spot <laughs> yeah squeakers or balls whiskey squeakers barley balls pablo at pumba uh, pablo ball and pumba squeaker bosses is favorite is the squeaky ball so that's also an answer <laughs> we don't have one but uh i'm sure that it would be a hit people or dogs dogs they all love dogs better yeah whiskey is a friend to all but the rest of them dogs summer or winter summer for all marley is okay in the cold but he definitely does like the winter better or i'm sorry the summer better the summer better (laughs) yeah walks or cuddles whiskey and marley walks pablo and pumba cuddles typical chihuahuas (laughs) yes early walks or sleep in whiskey early walks Pablo Pumba sleep in. Marley, do not disturb him in the morning. (laughs) He's not a morning dog. He needs his coffee. (laughs) He does. He needs his beauty sleep and his coffee. Guard dog or greeter? Pablo Pumba and Marley are guard dogs and Whiskey is a greeter. With their dog friends, do they prefer big dogs or little dogs? They're generally good with all types of dogs, provided those dogs are also like well-balanced dogs. However, Whiskey prefers bigger dogs. He likes to play rough, but he won't play rough with any dog that he feels he would hurt. He definitely likes the big dogs better. Whiskey really is an angel. <laughs> he is. He is. He won't he won't hurt another dog, he, but he wants he wants to bite you in the face, but he wants to make sure you can take it before he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he holds himself back. Yeah. All right. I've changed this question, but you can go with the original. If your dog was human, what kind of voice would they have? I feel like Whiskey would sound like Yosemite Sam. Marley, Marley would probably be like that screaming guy on the corner of Young and Dundas. Oh my God. (laughs) Just yelling at the world. Pablo, Pablo would probably sound like Tom from Tom and Jerry. Uh, Maybe I'm dating myself there. Uh, but he'd have a high-pitched, squeaky voice. Yeah. And Pumba, Pumba would 100% sound like Pepe Le Pew. 100%. Just a French accent, a weird French accent out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he would. I love that. Do they like tricks? Marley loves tricks. Whiskey does not do tricks. Pumba enjoys tricks if he knows that I'm going to feed him. And Pablo does not, doesn't do tricks either. So Marley's the one who gets to do yeah. all the fun stuff with. Marley, Marley loves any sort of learning or training. Yes. Boss is yeah. the same way. I will say 
tricks are his thing he and we have a lot of fun with that so it's a good way to build your relationship with your dog as well yeah definitely and at least for boss it is like the instant confidence booster if he's nervous we have him do some spins and some jump ups and he's like i'm the best dog ever yep it really does work and i my two most confident dogs don't do tricks but the two yeah. that need the boost sometimes they they will so at least in my house it works out yeah that really does <laughs> squirrel chaser or scent follower oh pumba is a squirrel chaser pablo is a scent chaser marley's just a follower <laughs> if there's a squirrel that someone's chasing, he's chasing it. If there's a scent someone's following it, uh, following, he'll follow it. On his own, he won't do either. And whiskey is both. Whiskey is a very uh, prey-driven. He's he's a hound hunting dog to the mm, core. Yeah. <laughs> so he uses yeah. his nose to find the squirrels and chase them. <laughs> exactly. Or the rabbits, or yeah, whatever else. Whatever else he can find. <laughs> well, good that he's not in the city because that's a lot easier for him to get some then. Unfortunately, it is a lot easier for him to get something. Yes. Yeah. And I guess you have to deal with the cleanup. Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> we, we go to the vet to get dewormed a lot. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fair. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had my first yeah. city encounter with my last foster. My last foster was this puppy named Rosie. She was the easiest foster I've ever had. She was like instantly amazing dog. But she's the first dog I had to pry a dead rat out of her mouth with. And she did not want to drop it. <laughs> it's it's definitely gross. Whiskey has got no shame. He will happily uh, go for roadkill. Yeah, I'm talking about you and it's true he'll happily go for roadkill so i do have to be pretty vigilant whiskey this dog last year we were in the forest he ran off into the woods he came back with like a fish like a live fish or a dead a whole fish what it was dead but it was it was a fish i don't know how that fish ended up in the woods but he found it and he came back from it and i had to take that out of his mouth <laughs> and he was not at all impressed with me and he's usually pretty good with the like drop it yeah but he was he was angry that I, I took his fish away from him. Yeah, we had two similar incidents with Boss. Uh, once he found an entire deep fried chicken breast, like Goodness. literally the whole thing. And yeah, he did drop it, but he was not happy. And then the other day I was walking him and I was like, wow, Boss is walking so well. So I was like not really paying attention. And then I look beside me and he's literally trotting next to me super proudly with an entire blueberry muffin in his mouth. <laughs> the things they find. I know. I was like, where did you? It's, um, it was literally not even bitten. Like, I don't understand where you found it. Whiskey got to. OK, I'll be honest with you. I was trying to record Marley for the Instagram and wasn't paying full attention. And Whiskey pulled the leash right out of my hands, darted into a bush and grabbed a rabbit um, it was the rabbit was alive mm -hmm. um i went and I, I grabbed his leash but it was too late and he would not let it go marley was getting upset because i was really trying hard to get this rabbit out of whiskey's mouth and he just would not let it go and he was starting to like get angry with me so marley was starting to get angry with me the rabbit was alive it wasn't roadkill so i said okay you know just just eat the rabbit and let's go and he didn't want to do that so he walked home two blocks with the rabbit in his mouth 
it was so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I just didn't want to argue with him anymore. And I said, yeah. fine, bring it home. And so, yeah, people were like, is that? I'm like, yep, it is. He's a hound dog. It happens. <laughs> um, well, yeah. people pay a lot of money for full prey. <laughs> they, they, so there you go. He just got a do. nice treat for free for free. It, exactly yeah people ask me what his favorite food is i say rabbit (laughs) um yeah it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i feel like most dogs would probably say that (laughs) i know he eats well don't don't think i don't feed him he does he's like a king actually just still needs to hunt his own food sometimes yep (laughs) yeah you know it's and that's part of the the dog you bring home too um and i feel that's something else people really need to pay attention to i mean you can train any dog to do anything but there are certain things that certain dogs come with for example hound dogs they've bred hound dogs for hundreds of years to enjoy killing things that's the whole purpose of a hound dog is to chase things down and kill it or german shepherds are to be watch dogs so they'll bark at squirrels um yeah. You know, herding dogs like to herd things and they'll nip at small kids' hands to keep them all in a pack. These are things that that will happen with certain dogs and you need to be aware of what you're getting yourself into before you bring that animal into your house. Yeah. So part of the hound dog. (laughs) Yep. It's finding dead squirrels. Yep. Makes sense. It it happens. You know, you can, you, you can work with any dog to do anything, but you know, it's easier to teach a, a German shepherd to be a watchdog than it is to, you know, teach a German shepherd not to be a watchdog. Yep. That's what we're working through with the alert barking too. It's like, let's try and just get him to bark for less amount of time instead of not at all. (laughs) Well, yeah, because you don't want them to not bark at all, no matter what, right? Like if someone's trying to get in your house at night, you want your dog to bark and wake you up. You don't want them to bark when the wind is blowing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a balance. It's (laughs) it's a fine tuning process and it takes time, but you'll get there. Yep, definitely. Next question. Do any of your dogs ever wear costumes or outfits or bandanas? My chihuahuas have a bigger wardrobe than I do. (laughs) Um, They have formal attire, multiple Halloween costumes, warm weather outfits, raincoats, whiskey. I did. I, I I bought him a Christmas outfit this year and he put it on for me. He did it for me. And <laughs> he did, it, looked, yeah. it looked like he totally hated his life. So I never made him wear it again. They all wear fun bandanas. Marley does not wear any clothes at all uh, of any kind. He's very touch sensitive. I just don't want to put him through the stress of having to get dressed. He's a Canadian dog. He was born in the cold and I let his hair grow in the winter time. And, yeah. and I just monitor his outdoor time uh, rather than trying to put him through that. They all have bow ties and regular ties. And each one of them has at least one fancy collar as well. There you they go. deserve they deserve the good things in life. So does their Instagram <laughs> look. So that's fair. So you have a pack of boys. Do they squat or lift? All lift and two squat as well. Pablo and Marley actually squat, but they all do lift. Boss is just starting to it learn how to lift. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. I, I, we keep getting really excited when Boss lifts his leg, but everyone's like, "No, squatting's good because you know where the pee's gonna go." Yeah, and I mean, with a whole pack of boys, 
it's not just one lift it's four it's just like a lineup you know one does it and then all the others have to come and pee on it too right it's a pain i'm sure that's uh just the rotations in your backyard for sure well yeah you should see it in the winter time it's gross oh yeah (laughs) well the last question i guess i'll just say yes or no are they all daddy's boys yes <laughs> the question's mommy's kid or daddy's kid. So with you, it's just me. But just uh, you. one answer. They do. They have the surrogate mother at the boarding facility that I use when I go on my rescue missions. The ladies there are wonderful, and my dogs get so excited to see them. It's like <laughs> it's more they they're more excited to see them than they are when I come home from work. So. <laughs> nice. I still yeah. call them. I, I'll still say they're dad's boys, but they do love their surrogate mother. <laughs> Sometimes they just want some estrogen in their life. So I think so. And that's, it's, it's good for the world. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's everything, John. Thanks so much for joining me today. For... Thank you for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. Actually. Oh, I'm I, so I appreciate glad. your time. Thank you. It was really fun. Before we sign off, where can people find you and your projects? They can find me. I'm on Instagram. My handle is John is for the dog and it's J O H N uh, is for the dogs. And it's all one or on my website, which is www.johnisforthedogs.com. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. again, John. It was really nice to chat with you more thoroughly. Yes. Thank you. And can't wait to see what happens with your projects. Definitely want to get involved in your future stuff with the communities up north. So I'll I'll keep an eye out. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. I, I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rescue Dog Moms is a project by Yamini, inspired by her rescue boss, who you can find on Instagram at the Pup Boss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Moms podcast, you can follow us at rescuedogmoms.ca or on Instagram at rescuedogmomspod. See you next week. Oh, oh.